Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast, featuring Dr. George Cannon. This podcast is a ministry of the Kerbinsville Christian Church. Finding Clarity seeks to answer your questions about Christianity. Here's George as he looks at this week's question. Welcome to Episode 16 of the Finding Clarity Podcast. I'm George Cannon, and we are so glad that you are listening today. Finding Clarity Podcast is a ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, where we seek to answer questions that you might have about Christianity. And so what we do is, is we take one question and we kind of wrestle through with it in about 15 to 20 minutes with each podcast. Today our question is one that I often hear among different folks from different types of churches, and it's really a sincere question, uh, but really reflects something that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast. And the question has to do with the issue of denominations. And usually I hear it this way, why are there so many different denominations? Sometimes I hear it referred to as, why are there so many different religions? And by religions, they're actually talking about the difference in denominations. So for some folks who don't understand denominationalism, they would think of Baptists or Methodists or Presbyterians as being different, quote, religions. In actuality, they are different denominations. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to examine this question of why there are so many denominations. Here's how we're going to approach this question. We're going to look at, first of all, why this is an issue with some people. Why do they ask this question about why there are so many denominations? Then we're going to look at it from an historical standpoint. We're going to look at it from really all the way to the beginning in the very first churches in the book of Acts, all the way up to right now, historically. Why are there so many different denominations? And then Number three, we're going to look at and see that denominations are not necessarily a bad thing, but actually are reflective of a good thing. And then finally, we're going to say why the current generation of Christians have lost their understanding of denominationalism and the need for it. And so we're going to look at this today in this podcast. So let's first of all talk about the whole issue of why would somebody be asking a question, or maybe why why do you have the question, why are there so many denominations, or do we really need this many denominations? At the heart of this question comes something from Jesus' teaching. If you remember reading in the Gospel of John, Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in the garden right before he was betrayed. He prayed in John 17, verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So, when you just look at this verse initially, you can look at it and say, well, you know, obviously denominations are not supposed to be a part of the Christian experience because Jesus is praying right here from the beginning to the Father that all Christians are one. 
one. That means there shouldn't be any divisions. And on the surface, that looks like, yeah, that's what Jesus is talking about. But if you look a little bit deeper into the passage, you'll see that he's not talking about what we call denominationalism, but rather he's talking about our unity in him, our unity in Christ, the spiritual body of Christ. And so what we see here is this. He says that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that our unity is found in Jesus. This is something that's expressed a little bit later on in Ephesians chapter 4, where we see that all Christians are unified. In fact, here we see Paul say this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, Right there we see, again, that the basis of unity are these issues of God, our faith, the baptism, which some would believe maybe is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and reflective there of our unity. But you say, okay, wait a minute now, so where do denominations figure into this? Well, let's finish talking about why somebody would ask this question. So outside of Jesus' words, why would somebody ask this question. Well, in Christianity today, there is a great move towards unity and a de-emphasis upon doctrine. So you find when you go to a lot of different churches, and in fact, many different churches in many different denominations, their services are actually becoming very similar. We're singing the same worship songs. We hear the same type of messages and doctrine is downplayed. So therefore, it would only be natural to people who are attending services like that, why do we need denominationalism? We're all the same anyhow, aren't we? Well, we're going to see that there is a need for denominationalism, and it actually finds its roots all the way in the beginning of Christianity. What do you mean? When I read the Bible, I don't read anything about denominationalism in the Bible. Well, you may not read exactly the word denomination in the New Testament, but you see the inference of it in the book of Acts. Well, what do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. What you see happening in the book of Acts is this. When you come to Acts chapter 10, you see the introduction of Gentiles to the message of salvation, and Gentiles are coming to the Lord. Now, the first initial response to that was not good. If you go all the way over to Acts chapter 11, you'll see then that Peter is confronted by Jewish believers in Jerusalem concerning his breaking the law of being with Gentile. And once they find out then that God has saved the Gentiles, we see then that in verse 18 of chapter 11, when they had heard these things, they became silent and glorified God, saying, God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance in this life. But from that point on in Acts, and then through most of the epistles that were written before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, 
you're going to see that there is a conflict that happens between church, the church that is dominated by Jews, which is in Jerusalem, and churches that are going that are starting to be dominated by the Gentiles, and it has to do with regards to the practice of their faith. Those who are predominantly leaning towards the Mosaic Law, which is what we would call Judaizers, Jude Jewish Christians who would lean to that, were wanting the Gentiles to practice the Mosaic Law, specifically the act of circumcision. But you see Paul and Barnabas and others who are involved in the Gentile church pushing against that. And so you kind of see a separation that's happening there. This actually occurs throughout history. What you see is, is we, we have a concept that thinks that Christianity is just being one. Some of that has to do with the influence of Roman Catholicism and that there is one church with one leader, the Pope. But the reality is, is that's not historically accurate. What you see is, is in the early church, when churches started in cities, the pastor, also known as the bishop of that church, was the main overseer of that church. So there was a, a pastor or a bishop in Rome, a pastor or a bishop in Smyrna, or a pastor or bishop in Ephesus, or a pastor in, or bishop in Antioch, or Alexandria, or Jerusalem. We know that the pastor or bishop of the church in Jerusalem was James, the brother of Jesus. What happens is, is that as time goes on, one church, because it's the imperial city, the Roman bishop decides that he is the leader of the church because he is the leader of the church that is in the imperial city. And when the Roman Empire fell, he continued on with that. But the problem is, is history shows that that's not true because before his emerging as a prominent leader in the West, you see that the Roman Empire was divided between East and West, and then there are the other churches, which we know of today as Greek Orthodoxy, that find their roots in these churches that started during the early church. Add to that now, go a few centuries further, a couple, at least a thousand years further into the future, to the time of Martin Luther, the start of the Protestant Reformation, we see a Reformation taking place in Germany, in northern Germany primarily, and what is known today as the Lutherans. Germans would say evangelicals, but the Lutheran Church. Also emerging in Germany are the Anabaptists, who did not accept infant baptism, but said that believers needed to be baptized as adults expressing their faith in Jesus Christ and the persecution thereof. You also see uh, the emergence of the Reformed churches in Switzerland under Zwingli, as well as under Calvin, the emergence of the church in Netherlands. You also see the emergence of the Church of England. And out of the Church of England, later on, as you follow through the centuries there, you see the emergence of, of the Methodist, Puritans, Congregationalists, and, and Baptists. Plymouth Brethren come out of that era. And so you see the emergence of all of these different denominations. And so historically... Denominations have arisen in response to an event or something that was going on, and primarily a lot of times in response to a corruption in the church. So historically, denominations have arisen. 
Now, the problem is, is most people don't understand church history anymore because we don't teach that anymore in our churches. We just assume that this is the way it's always been. And, and years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people knew, understood denominationalism and what it meant and what the doctrine of their church was. That is not true anymore. Only it seems that older Christians know what the doctrine of their church is. Younger ones don't care and don't understand that. Here's what else happens. You find that the issue with denominationalism, the biggest issue in is not just that an event caused the denomination to start. At the heart of denominationalism is a difference over doctrine. A difference over a theological viewpoint that comes out of the scripture or the interpretation of scripture. And so therefore, while they may not be primary differences, most denominations would hold to everything that's being said in Ephesians chapter 4 is the basis of our unity. But there might be differences over secondary issues. Some hold some secondary issues as being primary, while others say they're insignificant and don't hold them as primary. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Among some denominations, the issue of the miraculous is important, or the issue of spiritual gifts manifested today are important. So, therefore, you have those type of denominations. Some denominations hold to a theological viewpoint concerning the sovereignty of God election, the depravity of man. And so you have some denominations that hold to that. You have some denominations that would hold to the question of the man's free will and free choice and whether or not a person can lose their salvation. These are not insignificant issues that can just be washed away, but these are things that allow denominations to emerge and to be a part of what is known as Christianity today. Okay. All right, so I said we would then look at and see why denominationalism is important. So let me just finish out our podcast with this. I think denominationalism is important simply for two reasons. Number one, we need to recognize that all organizations, whether they be Christian denominations or churches, are are made up of human beings that are easily corrupted and corrupt the organization that they belong to. And eventually, all organizations, whether they be whether they are churches or whether they are denominations, will eventually corrupt themselves and decline in their understanding of truth and their communication of truth. So, therefore, today you have denominations that do not believe the Bible or hold to that there are other authorities than the Bible or make decisions without considering the Bible. That is the reality of where denominations and organizations are heading. And because of that, there will always be a remnant. There will always be a few who say, wait a minute, hold on. We don't believe that. We're not heading in that direction. And they go off and they start their own group. Thus starts another denomination or another church. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I would say that's a good thing because the main organization is corrupted and maybe can't be redeemed, and so therefore it goes off, and eventually they die. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot with a lot of the mainline churches today. They are dying. Here's the other thing I would say that's really important about denominationalism. 
in a culture today where what you believe is not as important as the group experience, here, listen to what I said again. In a culture today where what you believe is not as important as the group experience, we need to recognize that part of the basis of who we are as Christians is having an understanding of the truth. Therefore, doctrine is important. And it's important to recognize that who I'm fellowshipping with or who I'm worshiping with that we agree concerning the issues of doctrine concerning the Christian faith. I'm amazed sometimes when I see people who, who believe, for instance, in eternal security, deciding that because they no longer like their church or they like what's going on over at the other church, end up going to a church and, and are belonging to it and involved in it. But the reality is, is that church that they're going to doesn't believe in eternal security. In fact, teaches the exact opposite. But you know what? That doesn't matter because, hey, we're all one in Jesus. Well, the problem is, is if you raise children in that church and they're involved in the teaching of that church, let it already be known that what's being taught there is what you don't believe. Doctrine's important. So what I see happening here is when we talk about why are there so many denominations and and the fear of them is really actually an expression of a lack of understanding of the importance of knowing what you believe and worshiping, living together in a community with those who believe the same things as you. Finding Clarity podcast is an opportunity to really wrestle with questions about Christianity. If you have some questions, we would encourage you to contact us. There are many ways that you can do that. One way is is you can go on our Facebook page, message us through there. That's facebook.com slash Podcast. You can also go to our website, kerwinsvillechristian.org. Go to the contact page, and you can submit a question through there. If you attend the church here, we would encourage you to talk to me or throw a question in the offering plate, and the men will make sure that I get the question. You can listen to our podcast through our website. You can also listen by subscribing on iTunes or on Google Play. Simply type in Finding Clarity Podcast, and you'll see our podcast is available, and you can subscribe to that. If you're looking for a church home and you live in the Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania area, we would encourage you to attend one of our services. We're located on 700 State Street, and our services start at 1045. We're a come-as-you-are church. Just come any way you want to, and I think you'll be blessed by the service. Next week, we're going to wrestle with the question, is it okay for me to have doubts about my faith? Take care.